0: Welcome to the third episode of Self-Care Sunday, a minimalist media project by me, Kaylee Reed. Every Sunday, only on Sundays, I'll release a new podcast episode exploring topics like mental health, entrepreneurship, burnout, social media, art, feminism, and of course, self-care. We're putting women, complex, raw, and authentic women at the center of our media and behind the creation of it. And today's episode features one of those complex, raw, and authentic women, my friend, Addie Van Ryn. Addie and I met two years ago when she applied for an internship at Wear Your Label, and I remember her walking into my office and thinking, this girl has her shit together. (laughs) And she very quickly grew into a role as our community manager and became my go-to person when everything seemed to be falling apart. Addy is also a model, writer, and mental health advocate, and basically the nicest and friendliest person you'll ever meet. But before we get into today's episode i want to talk about our podcast partner lisa lisa mattress is the comfiest mattress you'll probably ever sleep on memory foam delivered right to your door super easy to set up i know i love mine and if you want to order a lisa mattress you can go to lisa l-e-e-s-a.com and use the code selfcare s-e-l-f-c-a-r-e for hundred dollars off your lisa mattress purchase Now, let's get into today's episode. Okay, Addie, I am so happy you're here, and not just on the podcast, but here in Montreal with me. We haven't seen each other in almost two months after working together almost every day for two years, so I feel like this weekend was really refreshing and much needed.
1: I agree. Thank you so much for having me. I have never even been to Montreal before, so I knew when you moved here, I had to... Come have a little visit.
0: very fun. (laughs) Oh, yes. Montreal is happy to have you. So I want to start off with kind of a conversation that we were having last night, and which I think is a really cool way to kind of get listeners to know who you are. Um, So last night, basically, what we were talking about was this idea of who you think you are versus who other people think you are so how would you describe yourself and how is that different than what you think other people think of you
1: it's funny that you mentioned the day that i like signed up for the interview to do the internship <gasps> and that you thought i had my shit together because i would describe myself as like the most lost person ever just like good intentions but trying to figure my way around and Sometimes, I think because I have social anxiety, sometimes I almost feel like I'm an alien. Like there's certain situations I walk into and I'm like, how would a normal person react to this? But I think other people kind of think that I like do have my shit together and it's just a facade. So
0: to give context, like when Addie applied for this internship, not only did she, like, apply like a normal person, she kind of hounded me through my email to, I like, did. get this internship because we didn't have any open positions at the time, and I was like, oh, I don't really know, like, I don't know who this girl is, I, we don't yeah. really need anybody right now. And I had already um, been
1: rejected, like, by another intern. By another intern. Our
0: other intern had basically rejected Addie. and so, anyways, I was like, okay, come in for an interview, and she came in, and she was like dressed up like looked very put together she I think brought in like a physical resume probably and like just your posture like your smile and like I said before you are the friendliest and nicest person ever so she came in and I was like okay wow like this girl yes like I do need her actually as an intern on my team and then we hired you (laughs) but kind of back to this idea of like who you think you are versus who other people think you are. I Mm. think that things always look different from the outside looking in. Definitely. And I think that's true of a lot of aspects of who you are, Addie. like not just people in general, but – you know, as a mental health advocate, and for example, as a model, like people only ever see the finished edited kind of version of Mm. you as a model, which is maybe one photo of a 100 that have been taken. Or on the runway, they see the final product, which is the show, but there's a million things that are happening behind the scenes that are not as glamorous. So I mean, maybe to start off How did you get into modeling in the first place?
1: Okay, so to start off, I was like the most insecure teenager, like never thought I would get into modeling at all. I, when I was in university, I worked with some of my friends who were just in school for photography. And then a friend of a friend of mine um, lived and was like best friends with Lance, Lance Kenneth Blakeney, who would later become one of my best friends and a really big creative inspiration. The shoot that I worked on with Lance actually got into Vogue Italia. So after I did that shoot, it became kind of very easy to work with other photographers in the area because I had that as like my background.
0: And that was your first shoot with Lance that got into Vogue.
1: Yeah, and that was Lance's. Lance has been featured in Vogue a couple of times now, but that was his first one. And yeah, what a surprise that was.
0: Yeah, what did that feel like? Like as somebody who has had social anxiety and who has felt maybe like you don't necessarily fit in to then basically been, be featured in this international media publication that tells young women that you are the epitome of what people should be like like models in those magazines are like what people strive for and so what was that feeling to then be a model featured on Vogue Italia after having those like feelings of insecurity
1: it was the most validating feeling that I've ever had second to none and it was such a surreal feeling too to see my face on the Vogue Italia website that was so wild so cool yeah I would say validating though for that exact reason Mm. which is a problem because you know the media portrays women to be a certain ideal and it's toxic to us as a society but in that very small moment very validating
0: (laughs) (laughs) And so you mentioned your social anxiety I'm curious how modeling has affected your mental health
1: I think overall it's been really good for my mental health. And I know that that's kind of a unique experience. A lot of models don't have, can't take away the same experience that I've had. I think living in New Brunswick and being a model has played a big part because it's, it's, not, it's not big city stuff. You get mm. to be a part of the creative experience more so, living in a smaller town. And so that's been really amazing for me. As far as like pushing myself, I think that it motivates me to push myself, especially with social anxiety, having to show up to a photo shoot and being in front of the camera, not only, but also a team of strangers who are fixing your hair and makeup and dressing you. And sometimes I have to see you naked and behind the scenes, you know, not on camera, but, um, that is super scary, but I really love doing it. It's helped me a lot with my confidence and it's so much fun to be a part of that creative experience that it motivates me to find comfort in that.
0: And I think you're right, like the New Brunswick and kind of East Coast fashion and modeling scene is very collaborative, is very, um, people love to lift each other up and constantly work together. Uh, the the one big event on the East Coast uh, is Atlantic Fashion Week, which is like a legit fashion week where multiple designers from across the East Coast show, there's model calls, there's, it's like an amazing, amazing thing, mm-hmm. um, which you've walked at how many times now? I've actually only walked the one time. And you wrote a blog post about what it's like to do Fashion Week with social anxiety, right?
1: Yeah, so the other modeling experiences I had, um, runway experiences that I had before that, were not the same kind of level, because Atlantic Fashion Week is the biggest fashion event east of Montreal, I think. Yeah. So it is quite big, and just walking backstage and being in like a sea of professionally beautiful people is <laughs> not entirely fun, because you're constantly feeling not good enough and you're comparing yourself to everybody else. But it was a really great learning experience to have that and it kind of forces you to accept yourself in that moment. With that being said, last month I did a fashion show and I believe that was the fourth fashion show I did and it's the only one I haven't cried backstage at because it's really overwhelming. And it's really hard on you mentally because you're only on stage for maybe two minutes, but the six hours before it, is everything is coming down to these two minutes so there's a ton of pressure on you even though you're just walking which sounds very easy it's so stressful.
0: And so do you have anything that you did backstage to help cope with that stress or was it literally like the relief after the event of just crying your eyes out and needing (laughs) to like have that as a way to
1: cope after? I think I was in a fortunate situation where I've worked in fashion not just as a model but behind the scenes too so what I did was I made myself helpful and used it as a distraction so I just made sure I was like helping the designers that I was walking for and making sure I was like talking to all the models and it helps distract you from the stress of what's going to happen in you know five hours and then four hours and then three hours yeah so making myself helpful and making work for myself when I could have just been like sitting and thinking about it was definitely a helpful thing to do for myself.
0: So you speak really openly now about your mental health. And I think being in the mental health community and working in the mental health industry, it's almost imperative that you have to become open about the struggles that you've had. It's really hard to be in this community and not be open about it. Um, when was the first time that you did speak openly about your anxiety?
1: I think the first time I spoke really openly about my anxiety was my intro blog post with Wear Label. And that was the first time I, like, kind of formally announced that I had a pass with self-injury and suicidal ideation. And that was, like, big and scary. Super scary. Um, yeah. But as far as like talking just like word of mouth one-on-one to people, it wasn't until a year after I had stopped self-injuring that I stopped, I started talking to people about it. I think I waited like a whole year because it was still so new and weird. And then once it was like after the year point, it became something that used to be and not something that like I was. And then there's the whole thing where you have to accept who you are at every stage of your life, which I'm a big advocate for, but it became easier to talk about it the further away you get from it.
0: I I feel that. Did you find it was easier to talk about it online, like through writing a blog post versus talking one-on-one
1: to people? Hmm, that's an interesting question. No, <laughs> I didn't. Because when you're talking one-on-one with someone, it's even though that person might talk to somebody else about it and it might spread that way, it's very... Personal talking about it that way when you're talking especially where the blog post was on where label where we had like almost 50,000 followers and I knew a lot of people and strangers on the internet. were gonna see it and Hopefully not judge me, but probably judge me a little bit because that's what we do as humans That was super scary Also when you just put things on the internet people are gonna tag you in it and then your relatives are gonna see it and the people you went to elementary school with are gonna see it and all these kind of weird people who have been a part of your life at some point.
0: What was the reaction that you got after
1: the blog post went live? Everyone was super nice about it, but I received a lot of messages from people being like, oh my god, I couldn't believe that that was a part of your life, that you felt that way. Because a lot of people, especially being from a small town and just living just a little ways away from it, everyone... Had a hard time wrapping their head around that because they knew me during those times and they saw a different version of me they saw like the version i was giving people another version of what i was what was happening behind the scenes
0: Hmm. yes it's this recurring theme of things on the outside looking in always being very different and if i remember correctly that week at work was kind of full of highs and lows for you so not only were you sharing You know your entire personal mental health story with the internet um there was also things kind of going on behind the scenes
1: yes there's a few things going on just with my personal life that like i think that bad things typically happen in threes so i was at number two and then my laptop died i spilled an entire cup of tea on my laptop which was not entirely my fault but it was kind of my lifeline And after, a few days after that happened, we get, or you got, I guess they contacted you, an invitation to go travel to New York City and take um, the moth workshop with the Jed Foundation, which is this amazing foundation, and their mission is to prevent suicide, and promote emotional well-being in youth. So they had read my blog post and thought I would be a really good fit for it and invited me to go to New York City, which was amazing.
0: And what was that experience like?
1: So actually, I flew to New York City the day after President Trump was elected. So that was a little bit scary going to America after that, if I'm being truly really honest. When I got to the hotel, someone told me there was riots just like in front of the hotel an hour before I got there. And actually, that kind of set the mood for the workshop a little bit because I was the only Canadian in my module. I was working with a lot of other mental health advocates and who were American and personally affected by the election. And I think it actually made things a little bit more emotional almost.
0: Yeah, it's interesting how like our environment and the things that go on in our life can very much affect like the internal narrative. Mm -hmm. So I did the the same workshop kind of the year prior and I remember it being, like you said, like an amazing experience. And I think it's because they bring together people who get it, like people who all have been through some sort of really deep emotional connection with mental health, the mental health community. Everybody has a story. And kind of the uh, point of the workshop is to better learn how to craft your story Mm -hmm. and how to tell your story. Um, And then I remember kind of shortly after you got back from that trip, you had almost like a very opposite experience around sharing your story. Do you want to talk about that?
1: Yeah, so I had shared my story at that point within the mental health community a lot, but I had the opportunity to share my story outside of the mental health community with a regular news outlet, and it was around Self-Injury Awareness Day was the theme, and I was excited about it, and I knew the reporter, so I was like, this is gonna be great. It's gonna be super awesome. The way that the story came out, even though I go back and forth with this a lot in my head because I agreed to the interview, everything that I said in the interview was completely true, but the way they told the story painted me in a very unfortunate light. I felt kind of victimized in it, and when I tell my own story, or when I tell my story in the mental health community, I just tell it in a very different way. And it's
0: empowering yeah like it, when you tell it it
1: is empowering and i even in that interview he put that in that i felt empowered telling my story but reading through that interview it was just uh it was not a good experience for me and i just couldn't log into facebook because people kept tagging me in the story because overall i think it raised awareness for the cause but at like my own cost yeah so yeah that wasn't a fun experience
0: Yeah, it's super hard talking about, I mean, number one, talking about any mental health experience that you're going through, like there is still so much stigma associated with it. But internally, I think is what I find the hardest Mm -hmm. to talk about is just like getting past your own personal barriers um, and self-stigma. You mentioned not being able to log onto Facebook after that article came out. Do you feel like social media plays a big role in your own mental health journey?
1: I think that social media can definitely play a big part in your mental health. For one thing, it's just a distraction. And I know in my own personal experience, if I'm following people who are going through a difficult time and I'm going through a difficult time, sometimes it's amazing and I feel really connected to them. And other times it's almost perpetuating the feelings that I'm having. So it's something that I think more people should pay attention to is what their feed looks like.
0: Yeah, like curating that safe space for you online. um, Because we you know, within the mental health community, we have these opportunities to go to events like this Jed Foundation workshop Mm -hmm. and be surrounded in person by people who are really supportive and really get it. And I think it's important for us to do that online as well so that when we leave those spaces, you're still feeling supported and encouraged and connected. Sometimes I know it's really necessary to take a break from social media even if you feel like it is a place that you go for inspiration or to be connected to your community it still has these negative effects and I know you took a social media cleanse recently and I tried to do the same I
1: wasn't as good as you were
0: (laughs) what did you learn from that
1: I think what I learned the biggest lesson is that just that social media is a big distraction from real life we don't really think of it as a distraction from real life because it's portraying real life because you see everybody's real life on it. But for me personally, I go home at the end of the day and I just sit on social media when I could be doing productive things. Like I recently learned, started learning the guitar again. I think that's a more productive skill because you're learning something where on social media it's just a place where you can just veg out and like not have to think too much. It becomes like a background noise in your life. Mm-hmm. I've gone on probably five different social media cleanses this year, and this one was the longest one. Like, sometimes I'll do it only for a few hours. I'll delete all the social media apps off my phone, but this one I did it for three weeks. I mean, you literally go through withdrawals because mm. we're all addicted to our phones. I'll pick up my phone, even though I deleted the Instagram app, and, like, go click where it used to be, and it's not there. And then I have to put my phone back down and be like, okay, it's not there. What else are we going to do right now? So the first few days you go through that, but I really recommend going on a social media cleanse over an extended period of time because you're going to find that you have more time in your schedule that you didn't realize was missing before because you go on instagram and you think i'm just going to do this for a minute but then you're on there for an hour or you know same with that's YouTube real or facebook
0: <laughs> yeah so real <laughs> yeah so now that you have reinstalled all of your social media apps are you putting any like barriers in place or like are you doing anything to monitor your social media usage or do you feel like after taking a break you just like need to kind of freely be able to go on social media again
1: my rule this time around is that I'm only going to be on social media to have fun because I used to worry about my aesthetic a lot like what my feed looked like and also I'm always worried that I'm posting too many photos of myself because I'm a model it's mostly photos of creative projects I've worked on so I've always been really aware of when I'm posting like too many photos of my face
0: oh that's so interesting yeah so
1: I'm really concerned about people thinking I'm vain for doing that and I would always have a photo in between each of my portraits that I've like worked on and it's my work and I'm really proud of it and I want to share it with people so my rule now is just that I'm having fun and I'm not worrying too much. And if I'm worrying too much, then I, I'm going to delete it again.
0: Then you need to take another break. <laughs> yeah, oh, I take like take another that.
1: break. I mean, social media was invented to be fun. And now we've taken it all to like a whole new level.
0: So every episode, finish with a quick fire round where you can answer with either one word or one sentence. Okay. You up for it? sure you can't say no (laughs) okay (laughs) okay here we go
1: what's your zodiac sign i'm a gemini cancer cusp but i identify mostly with cancer what inspires you right now jack white what
0: intimidates you people who are not friendly what's one thing that you think people don't know about you
1: I'm a really picky eater, but I'm trying super hard to change that because I think I'm missing out on a lot of things. What is your favorite place in the world? Reed's Cafe in Fredericton, New Brunswick.
0: And what does your perfect self-care Sunday look like?
1: Honestly, today was a really good self-care Sunday. We like went out for breakfast and it was snowing and so pretty in Montreal. That was really nice. Also, naps are nice. Naps and pizza are good. And also Inspired by Jack White, I've been thinking about challenging myself creatively, and I think that that's a good activity for Self Care Sundays too.
0: Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Self Care Sunday. If you want to find and follow Addie on Instagram, it's at AlexandraTheOptimist, formerly known as Saddy But Addie. And if you want to follow Self-Care Sunday or be notified about new podcast episodes, we launch every Sunday, only on Sundays. You can find us on Instagram at Self-Care Sunday or get notifications on our website, selfcaresunday.co. Happy Self-Care Sunday, everyone.